Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm joined for my fortnightly catch-up on the UK energy markets by our expert, Jason Durden, Head of Energy Markets and Risk Management at Alpha. Jason, welcome to you. I gather there's been some volatility in the gas market. What's going on there? Yes, good morning, Jeremy. Last Friday, so less keen market watchers might look on a Friday to Friday move and think, hmm, very tiny, but... Last week was anything but. We had uh, a a very strong market up until about Thursday. And then on Friday, we were seeing 10% intraday swings in a lot of the front months and the, the front seasonal contracts. Lots going on. It's been a long rally for gas and most commodities, but um, I think people need to be aware that markets are very, very volatile at the moment, despite uh, volumes being relatively subdued. And I think that's sort of representative of the risks on both sides of the market. There is still quite a few questions out there and we're, we're still all in dealing with COVID, but the markets are very much looking forward and, uh, and are in part responding to very unseasonable conditions as well. So it's anything but business as usual for kind of gas markets at the moment. Huge volatility on an intraday type basis. Well, that's obviously a challenge for many, but an opportunity for some traders, of course. Is something similar happening in the oil market? What have we seen there? Oil's really interesting. We've we've had a very, you know, we've had a structural rally in oil, uh, as you would expect, probably from the end of last uh, sort of October, November time. It hit 70 at the end of the winter, and then it's kind of lost a little bit of interest, and it's sort of trading sort of mid-60s on Brent at the moment, and just around 60 on uh, the WTI contract. I think asset inflation, we can't talk about oil as the most liquid traded to the sort of commodity contract in the world, uh, a proxy for economic growth. We can't talk about that and not talk about the bigger, wider picture, not just the actual supply demand dynamics of the, the stuff itself. And I think oil has kind of, there's some evidence in some of the data suggesting that some of the uh, hedge funds and uh, speculative non-consuming customers are taking less bullish positions at, at this moment in time or, or trimming back from that. I think OPEC Plus, who have brought forward their monthly meeting to today, are also expected to sort of continue with their slow, gradual recovery of uh, sort of um, volume into the market but at the same time you've got the third and fourth largest importers of uh, oil under real pressure particularly india there's a third largest importer and you know the the covid uh, and lockdown scenario in japan is not looking great at the moment so quite a bit of conflict there but underpinned for me by by the fact that the value in oil at 65 dollars is in an environment where all commodities have seen a huge recovery over the last six to nine months in all, whether that's energy, softs, metals, really, you know, inflation is everywhere in these markets and energy is not excluded from that. I think that's a really important observation because important though the energy side of this is, we're in inflationary times. We've got had the shock, or at least uh, at the tail end, we hope, of the economic shock of the COVID crisis and recovery is underway. And a, a barrel of oil is still worth a barrel of oil, even if a dollar isn't necessarily worth uh, what it was a year or two ago. 
And what's your sense about this? Are the markets overreacting to the positive news for growth in Europe and America? Is it a, a slightly strange phrase we're going through? What's your sense about uh, uh, where people see the future? Well, I think there definitely is that tension at the moment. It's culpable in terms of the, the general economic data coming out of the US and the EU and the UK for that matter. Uh, PMIs for May, all the readings above 60. I mean, that's that's significant. There is optimism in a lot of the more developed economies, perhaps being held back. But I think even in pre-COVID times, we were looking at oil being... $75 as a long-term equilibrium, given where the sort of supply and demand of the market was expected to be. So I don't think we're that far away from where it can go in real terms. The real question is, for it to move to 100 bucks, we would need to see a, a real devaluation of, of currency or, or inflation effectively. And some would argue in the wider sense, we are beginning to see that already, despite what governments are trying to do in terms of flattening yield curves and holding down CPI and uh, RPI inflation. Almost anything you're actually physically buying in the commodities environment is a multiple of where it was 12 months ago, albeit having corrected lower from prices. So I think we can't sort of take this in isolation and you must be guarded against inflation because we don't expect to see oil at $100 a barrel. But actually, if the dollar continues to be worthless and as long as governments continue to print ever increasing amounts of liquidity and money into markets, then the money itself is being debased as a value, if not the oil itself. It's a very important point and energy consumers having a look at some of these prices and perhaps being somewhat alarmed by the increases need to bear in mind that uh, X dollars today is not necessarily worth what X dollars was a few years ago in terms of the oil price and, and similarly for uh, commodity prices in the UK. But turning now to carbon, we've also seen very high prices there, of course. Are, are we heading towards a totemic 50 euro a tonne carbon price? Very much within reach, uh, Jeremy, and I think it's when in the short term, not if. Couple of headwinds, compliance period for any stragglers on 2020 uh, housekeeping is now passed, so that may quell markets for a little bit. We're still awaiting, obviously, the UK sort of splitting out and doing it, or has split out, but it, getting its own scheme, which is next month now, and that may sort of take out some of the heat in EU carbon in terms of those that have been hedging UK consumption in, you know, as an imperfect hedge in EU markets. But given the, the, the mood music, Biden's heads of government conference uh, last week and uh, the sort of um, the network of all uh, stating targets and being ambitious and setting agendas I think it's very politically different and carbon ultimately is a hugely political market it's not a real commodity market in that sense I think it's only a matter of time before 50 euros gets hit because I don't see the politicians giving themselves any room to allow industry to catch a break as it were. Well, I'd agree about that, and uh, certainly the uh, the rhetoric that's coming from the Biden administration is fundamentally the same as from the EU and, and the UK, who all seem to be pulling on the same direction on this. The UK, perhaps, were the most ambitious target to 78% uh, CO2 reduction compared with 1990 levels by uh, 2035, and a slightly smaller reduction by five years earlier to 2030 in the EU, uh, and even the US making some pretty bold commitments. It's difficult to see that 
being delivered without some fairly substantial carbon pricing, isn't it? On the other hand, markets do sometimes overreact. So uh, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Uh, what do you think, you know, what have you observed? This is all having an impact on the power market. Uh, presumably we've seen price rises there on the back of this. Power is a conduit effectively in the UK for carbon and gas are the two fundamental sort of uh, make-up commodities for power in the UK. And obviously, as I've, we've talked about, gas prices being very strong and volatile recently. Carbon obviously has moved 20 euros in the last sort of six months, seven months. And uh, I think what is perhaps crucially giving problems for UK power buyers as well, apart from the long the fundamental problem about liquidity in the market is that the balancing market is so different. We're experiencing European power markets, not just the UK, all stuck well above 60 pounds and 60 euros uh, a megawatt on the spot market at the moment, given cold conditions, low wind output, and just uh, a, a general tightness in the market. And that's really seeing very high balancing prices. I think it wasn't our turn in the UK uh, last week, but we saw €3,000 balancing prices in Belgium. What price does this mean in the long term for Q3 and winter 21? I mean, winter 21. So if we go into winter 21 with relatively high carbon prices, we've got supported oil prices, we've got inflation, and we're seeing winter balancing prices potentially into multiple hundreds, if not thousands, during periods of low renewable offtake. Without dispatchable power to actually quell that, is this the first £100 winter forward? I think that's a really interesting question. If you were a betting man, I'm not sure you'd say when you thought that kind of a particularly interesting figure might be reached, but it doesn't seem improbable. Are you worried at all about security of supply for the coming winter, or is this something that uh, we're just going to have to see some higher prices to make sure that secure capacity is available during peak demand periods? Yeah, look, I think you have to take the two apart, disjoin them effectively, because during this cold Q1 that we've just gone through uh, and are still having the after effects of now as we approach May, I think although the system has been very tight at points, which has seen these mega balancing prices, it's actually been deliverable and particularly strong demand uh, has been deliverable. And that's true of gas as well as power. But I think the makeup, the drivers, and uh, particularly for gas and de facto power in the UK, the reliance on LNG, which is truly a global price taker, rather than a local market like uh, pipeline European gas would be. I think volatility is here to stay. So I think I wouldn't be running up any real flags about we haven't got enough power or gas to deliver a cold winter because we've just gone through a cold Q1 and we've seen big gas demand and big power demand and we've met it. It's at what price we are able to meet it. It's the ever-changing Part. And UKCS is the big player now. We are reliant on imports and we are in a competitive market and an even more aggressive and uh, bigger market than LNG, as we saw in January, where we are constantly watching the Asian spot price, which is currently 62 pence a therm. 
Well, I think that's a great point on which to conclude. Really important one for consumers. There's no particular issue about security of supply. The question is how much we're going to have to pay to make sure uh, that imported supplies arrive and indigenous supplies are kept available when they're needed. So thank you, Jason, for your comments on that observation on the technical aspects of the energy markets, but also the broader economic picture and inflation, which, of course, is another way of saying that currencies may not be worth what they used to be. Well, I hope you found that useful too. Uh, do have a look at our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. Have a look at our reports there. And we hope you join us again for a podcast soon.